All right. <clears throat> Welcome, everybody, to Blackhawk Church. How's everybody doing here? Good, good. Welcome to all of you live in the room. Welcome to everybody who is joining us um, online for our services, as well as all my friends at Blackhawk Downtown, at Blackhawk Fitchburg, everyone at Gospel Fusion, everyone in our traditions venue, everyone at BCM. We, like, we're one church. I think I covered everybody. I'm not positive, but I think that's everyone. We're one church in a lot of different locations. And it's great to have, again, just another Sunday to be able to gather together. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name's Matt, I'm one of the pastors on staff. And if you haven't been around, uh, we are smack dab in the middle of a 10-week Philippian series. This is week five of a Philippian series that we are going through right now. The tagline of that series being deepening relationships with God and others. And, uh, and this week in particular, this is a little different type of a week because this is actually kind of um, a part two of a message that we heard last week. Last week, Pastor Charles jumped into Philippians chapter two, verses one through 11, which actually, like this is not, just, that passage right there is not just my favorite passage in Philippians. It's actually, it, it could be, it really is one of my favorite passages in scripture altogether. I love Philippians 2 one through 11. And the things that Charles brought out were just absolutely amazing. But we're going to go right off of that, kind of into the, the second half of the message that he was sharing last week. We're going to take a look at a shorter passage of scripture, Philippians uh, chapter two, verses 12 through 18. That's where we are going to dive in today. So what I'd like to do right now, actually, I'd like to go ahead and read that passage of scripture in its entirety altogether. So if you've got your Bibles or however it is that you look at scripture, go ahead and take that out and go with me to Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18. And, uh, and I'm gonna read this passage for us right now. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run and labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I love, where, I love where Paul ends this, this section right here, where he is basically saying to this early church in Philippi, this is a church in Philippi that he, he had founded and he loved deeply. He had spent time with them. He knew that these were believers and he was saying to them, if you can get this thing right, everything that I will have gone through, all of and he had gone through a lot, all of the ways that I have been, as he says, poured out, like the... The, the imprisonments, the, the beatings, the shipwrecks, all of the hardship that he had gone through. He's saying, if you can get this right, all of that will be to totally worth it. Okay, so what we need to look at is 
What is it that he so desperately wanted the church to get? What is it that he wanted them to understand? And in order to do that, we got to take a look back at last week. And the reason why we have to do that is because of seeing the way this passage is actually connected to last week's passage. And we get that idea from the very first word in verse 12. If you look at the beginning of verse 12, the first word that's there is the word therefore. Now, I had a, um, a Bible professor uh, who early on in my life uh, taught this idea. I think it's good for all of us to learn. Whenever you see the word therefore in scripture, that should cause us to ask a question. He said it, could, it should cause us to ask the question, okay, what is therefore therefore? Like, in other words, why, why is that there? What is it pointing to that's already been said? Whatever I'm going to read coming up, Man, it's very much connected to and affected by what I have already read. What's therefore, therefore? And so in order to do that, we've got to go back to Charles's message last week. Now, okay, if you haven't had a chance to listen to Charles's message, you need to go back and listen to that message. It was absolutely incredible. And he had all kinds of, of PowerPoint slides of arrows, like pointing to mind-blowing ideas, I think for all of us in scripture, if you remember that message. His overall premise was this idea that, that unity, which he desires in the church, unity flows from humility. That's the direction he was going this message. Unity flows from humility. Humility, But here's the thing is that we have to look at how it is that we're supposed to actually get there. You see, like, and so what Paul does is we look at this section here in, in chapter 12 on, he begins to answer these questions. The week before, 1 through 11, unity flows through, through humility. Paul now begins to talk about, okay, so how do we do that? And then he also talks about what gets in the way of us doing it. Actually, there is a culprit that, that can kind of, stop the flowage. Unity flows from humility. Yeah, but this culprit can stop the flowage towards true unity by stopping the flowage of humility in our lives. These are the things that we see in this particular passage. But the first thing that we have to talk about is, is how. And how really happens. How do we get to this place of being a unified church? And he says, well, actually, it starts with a partnership. Now, Okay, partnerships are something that we know a lot about in our culture. I'm sure that all of us, if we could think, if you took time to think about it, we could all think of different partnerships, different partnerships in the world that have had like a big impact in our society. They have influenced things or impacted the way we do life. Oftentimes the partnerships that we might see, it might be two different corporations or a corporation and a nonprofit organization, or a clothing line and an athlete or a musician. All of these different types of ideas or different partnerships that we see that create something new and do something to impact society. I, I, I took some time to think about, okay, what are some of my favorite ones that it came to mind? The first one that came to mind for me is, okay, Nike plus Michael Jordan equals Air Jordan. And in my opinion, the Air Jordan 1s, so, which in my opinion still are the greatest sneaker of all time and the reason why I am wearing mine on stage this morning. I was gifted a pair years ago and I pull them out for special occasions, like when I talk about them at church. So, <laughs> so there you go, the Air Jordan 1s. There's a partnership. Okay, here's another one. Um, you take Apple and MasterCard and you get Apple Pay 
which again, in my opinion, is the most convenient way to be able to pay for anything. I mean, like because of that, I bring my phone places, I hold it up to a thing, click a button, it sees my face, it goes ahead and, uh, and pays for whatever it is. I don't have to carry a wallet, I don't have to carry a credit card, it's fantastic. Okay, here's another one. Uh, you take Starbucks and Target, and you end up with Starbucks inside of Target. So, okay, which, okay, it might not be the greatest partnership in the world, but when I show up at Target and I know that, like, as I'm walking around trying to find everything and I can sip on cold brew coffee during that time, there's just something wonderful about it. And look, all of these are light and fun. I know most of them are about convenience and maybe a little bit of style, but um, if we really took time to think about it, we could think of all sorts of different partnerships that literally they impact and influence the world it is that we live in. They can change culture in society. Well, this partnership that, that Paul starts to talk about here in the beginning in verses 12 and 13, we can easily miss it. But if we get it right, it has the opportunity to change everything. So let's go back. Let's go back to verse 12 for a minute, just to be able to start looking at this. Verse 12 says this, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, let, let's pause there for a minute. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is a section of scripture, really this idea, this concept of continue to work out your salvation is something that has thrown people for a while because it can be easy for people to read that and think that in some way what Paul is saying there is we continue to need to try to earn or deserve our, our, our salvation. Let me, and, and, and we should do that with fear and trembling that we might not actually make it. Let, let me ask you, have, have you ever in your life been in a place where you've wondered, I wonder if I'm doing enough to actually earn my salvation? Like, am I actually saved? Is there something else that I'm supposed to be doing in order to somehow earn God's love? You see, I have conversations with people all the time who wonder this type of stuff. And, and if I'm honest, I've wondered that in my own life. I mean, as I, as I was growing up, I can't tell you the amount of times that, that I prayed to receive Christ as my savior because I wasn't sure if the last one had stuck and I didn't know if like I had done enough to actually make it through. So as the next time I needed to ask again, and I don't know which of like the, the 14 to 18 times that I accepted Jesus as my savior was the one that really took because I always felt like there was something more that I needed to do. I'm just guessing I'm not alone in that. And you see, we can read something like this from the Apostle Paul and go, yep, see, we have to try to earn our salvation. But that is not at all what Paul is saying here. In order to understand that, we've got to take a look at other writings in Scripture of how Paul talks about this subject. You all, Paul was a grace guy. We know that from Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, a famous passage of Scripture that says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works, not by anything that we do so that we can't boast. He's basically saying, when, look, we are in need of a Savior. We cannot save ourselves when we place our faith in Jesus, in him alone for our salvation. Man, we are saved, not because of anything that I do, not because of any way that I earn or deserve it, not because I am working for it, but because everything that Jesus does, I place my faith in him. It is all about what he did. You see, Paul is, Paul is not saying here in the passage, continue to work for your salvation. We have to remember the 
audience it is that he's talking to. This church in Philippi, these were believers. These were people who had placed their faith in Jesus. They knew that they were saved. And so therefore, he was able to write and help them to see, look, now that you are saved, how is your salvation affecting your life? Continue to work out your salvation, not for your salvation. In other words, how is your salvation impacting your life, the decisions you make, the way that you live, the way that you think, the way that you believe? And, and he says to do it with fear and trembling. Now, again, that can be confusing because we can think that it says continue to work for your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, if you didn't do enough, oh, sorry, didn't make it. That's not what it's saying. Fear and trembling actually is connected to the next part of the verse, verse 13, that says, for it is God who works in you. You see, the fear and trembling is connected to the one who we are connected to. And it gives us the idea that we are supposed to look at the one who we are connected to, like with, with grandeur and awe. You see, <clears throat> I think that, that sometimes for us as Christians, for many of us who have been Christians, we've been Christians for a long time, it can be really easy for us to forget. We're connected to the God of the universe. We can somehow easily kind of downplay that and just get used to it and forget the idea of the one who created everything. Yeah, he, he lives in, inside of us. When we think about that idea, it should move us towards this place of grandeur and awe and almost a little bit of, of fear. It would be like, okay, let's say that you, um, let's say that you play um, pickup basketball. You're, you're in a pickup basketball league. You play on Tuesday and Thursday mornings and, uh, you know, or some night of the week. And you find out that, um, that Giannis from the Milwaukee Bucks has heard about you and he is going to drive over in order to work with you on your game. How would you feel? Or let's say that you're like, you're a songwriter and you find out, hey, guess what? Through social media, Taylor Swift heard a couple of your songs. She's flying in tonight to work with you on your music. Like, <laughs> what would that do inside of you? A little bit of fear? Slight intimidation? A little bit of awe? You see, that's the idea of what's being talked about this. It, it, continue to work out your salvation, allowing it to change you it, with fear and trembling because it's God who works inside of you. And in these two pieces right here, verse 12, verse 13, this is where we see this partnership. It's this partnership. Notice he says, continue to work out your salvation. In other words, there is a role that I'm supposed to play in this, continuing to become the person striving to be the person that God desires for me to be. Oh, and by the way, the Holy Spirit's inside of you doing work that we can't do on our own. And so it's continuing to work to change the person who I am and the Holy Spirit doing work to do something inside of me. That's why it continues to say, for it's God who works in you to will and to act to fulfill his good purposes. You see, it's, it's, it's me. I'm working on my actions and my behavior. I am striving to be a different person. And at the same time, it's the Holy Spirit doing something to change my, my desires, to change my thoughts thought life, 
to change my emotions and the way that I move towards different things. It's these two sides working together. So it's not just me feeling like, okay, I got to get it all together and figure out what my life is supposed to look like. It's up for me in order to somehow make God happy with the way that I'm living. And at the same time, it's me not just sitting back and going, well, if God wants to change anything, he can do it. I'm okay with it. You know, it's, it's neither of those. It's both and it's a partnership. You know what it reminds me of in some ways? It reminds me of, um, of e-bikes. So now, okay, sh- show of hands, and everybody, all rooms, you're, you're showing hands on this. How many of you at this point have ridden an e-bike at some point? Yeah, that's a decent amount of people. So for, for some of us, you've grabbed onto the Rage, and uh, you got your own e-bike, and you're cruising around on that. Others of us, maybe it's here in Madison or in another city that we've visited where they have those ones that you can, like, get out of a stall, ride around, drop off somewhere else in the city. You know, it's really convenient the way that works. But they're e-bikes, and, and the system that's used in them that has made them amazing is this thing called pedal assist. Pedal assist. Now, I, pedal assist works like this. I have to be pedaling, but as I'm pedaling, there is a battery that's doing amazing work inside of me that actually makes me, even though I am not, look like an incredible cyclist. So that when I am going by, I mean, like you talk to like hardcore cyclists and they'll tell you it's the most frustrating thing where I'm cranking and working so hard and riding uphill. And here's another person next to me who's just riding by, you know, ringing their bell. Hey, great to see you. Oh, spilled a little of my latte, you know, like cruising uphill at 20 miles an hour. It's pedal assist. I can't stop pedaling. I have to be pedaling. But there is something on that bike that is powering me forward to give me ability that I would not have at all on my own. It's pedal assist. That's the partnership that Paul is talking about in verses 12 and 13. We could call it, because the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us, we could call it Holy Spirit assist. I've got Holy Spirit assist going on in my life right now. I strive to become more obedient to who it is that God has called me to be under the authority of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is doing work inside of me to change me. That is the partnership. How do we become this church who is truly unified? How do we grab onto the idea of humility? Through Holy Spirit assist, a partnership that God gives us. But then Paul, all of a sudden in the passage, starts to go towards a culprit that can get in the way of all of this, that can stop the flowage. Let's keep going to verse 14 with, together. Verse 14 says this. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generations. Okay, <laughs> Paul is telling them not to grumble and argue. And the reason why is because Paul's desire is that this church would grab onto the idea of unity. And unity comes from a place of, of, of humility when, when, when we become people who are humble. This is where Ephesians 2, 1 through 11 gave us a picture of what that was supposed to look like last week. In verse 1, it says, look, if you've got any encouragement from being united with Christ, we are connected to Christ. It says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit 
and purpose. I am connected and unified with Christ. He lives inside of me. And therefore, because of that, I should be connected in one with everyone else. How do we get there? Well, it's by do nothing out of selfish ambition, vain conceit, and humility. Consider others better than yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but also to the interests of other people. I am supposed to be somebody who in humility sees other people, their ideas, their thoughts as just as important, as more important than my own. And this is the place that's so hard to get to. And so Paul says, I'm giving you a warning of what's going to stand in the way. (laughs) Stop arguing and grumbling in everything. Just stop it. See, Paul knows where there is a spirit of grumbling, there is a lack of humility. And where there is a lack of humility, there is a lack of unity. And Paul desires more than anything else for this church to be unified. He desires for them to be people who like they understand what it looks like in life to be able to be connected. And so he says, stop your grumbling and complaining because everything you do that way is breaking up everything it is that we are trying to do as a community. You know where that starts from? (laughs) Starts from a place of pride. And pride is one of the the biggest things that affected us as human beings at the time of the fall. Think about it. Before there was sin in the world, we go back to Adam and Eve. God's desire for human beings was that they would be God-centered and other-centered. That we would, be, we would be all about God and all about then our relationship with other people. Think about what he's saying here in 2, 1 through 11. United with Christ, therefore one with one another. He's going back to what it is that we were supposed to be. But at the beginning, what happened? We went from being God-centered and others-centered to being self-centered. To where now, it's all about my wants, my needs, my desires my beliefs, what I think is right, where the spotlight on me and everyone else plays a supporting role in the big story about me. And all of a sudden, we became people who were, were self-righteous and self-centered. You know, like, you think about the idea of being self-righteous and self-centered. Self-righteousness says, I'm right, and you're wrong. Self-centered says, Self-centeredness says it's, it's my interests that matter more than your interest. And we move this way so easily in our arguing and grumbling. I mean, Charles talked about some of this last week. Like when it comes to arguing, like, do you think that we live in an argumentative world right now? We live in a world where everybody feels like they have the right to spew whatever it is that they say about whatever subject. And sometimes we get into it with people in the way that we argue, but oftentimes it just, it happens online. It happens through social media where we feel the right to be able to launch whatever grenade towards whatever people on whatever subject, regardless of the damage that we do. And we don't even really end up seeing the damage all that much. And so we launch these things out there towards other people. Man, and what does it do? It ends up polarizing us, moving us farther away from each other. That's the argumentative side. But you know, what I think affects us even more as a community is grumbling. Grumble, 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 grumble. We tend to be people who are just grumble. And, and, and having an argumentative spirit 
It comes from a grumbling spirit. Grumbling, I would look at grumbling as we have all kinds of thoughts and ideas of what we think about other people. We just keep it to ourselves. And so we have the arguments, but they're all in our mind. Or they're with particular group of people that we feel like are on the same page with us. And we can just get together, grumble, 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 grumble. Talk about whatever it is. We end up being people who we just live in this grumbling world. And here's the truth about grumbling. When we are not humble, we grumble. We grumble when we are not humble. That's the truth. Say that with me for just a minute. We grumble when we are not humble. Take it even a step farther to say it singularly. I grumble when I am not humble. We just tend to find all kinds of things to grumble about. Let me ask you, what is it that you grumble about? What are the things that you just feel like are so unbelievably important and you're right? And therefore, everyone else is wrong. And if people could just see it through your eyes, then the world would be a better place. <laughs> and there's nervous laughter in this room followed by a lot of silence. <laughs> it gets uncomfortable because we are grumblers. Look, I am a grumbler living in a grumbly world. Anytime that we're doing messages, anytime that one of us, Charles, Chris, Lynn, Michael, CK, any of us, we, we get up front and, and do a sermon. One of the things that we have to look at is, um, what do I have to learn from this message? The first person I have to preach it to is myself. And on, <laughs> there are certain times where you get up front and it's just kind of painful to talk about whatever it is that you're going to talk about. And this is one of those times because I am a grumbly person. I'm guessing I'm not the only one. You know, I grumble about all kinds of different things. Can I, tell you, can I tell you one of the areas that I grumble about a lot? I've been grumbling about like all since like mid-spring. It's um, road construction in Dane County. <laughs> road construction in Dane County. Now, look, I've lived in Dane County for a, a long time. And I know about like there is winter and there's road construction season, right? That's what you always hear. But this year, this year has just felt way worse. I mean, honestly, when I pull out of my house, the amount of road construction and the way that it's affect my driving patterns and the ways that like I'm doing things, it doesn't matter where I am going when I pull out of my neighborhood. It doesn't matter if I'm headed here to Brader Way, if I'm headed to Blackhawk Fitchburg, if I'm headed to Blackhawk downtown, if I'm headed to campus, if I'm headed to the gym, everywhere that I drive, there is road construction. And then on top of that in my neighborhood, it's not just the places I drive, it's happening in my neighborhood. So that literally, if I just go out for a jog, I'm in road construction. I feel like I am jogging, fearing for my life, you know, with everywhere that I go. It doesn't matter where I go. Anybody else feel that? Can I get an amen from anyone in the room? Do you, <laughs> do you see what I'm doing right now? I'm grumbling. I'm getting you to amen my grumbles. That is messed up. I'm a grumbly man in a grumbly world. And I can start to think, why in the world? How could they? Do they know? Are you kidding me? You know, all of those things. I grumble. I grumble to my wife. I'm grumbling to all of you right now. You know, I just grumble. You see, when I let 
partnership with the Holy Spirit work in my life transform the way I look at something like this? All of a sudden, I start to ask questions like this. I start to ask questions like, maybe there's more than one way to look at this situation. What do I have to learn here? Like, could, I, could I be wrong in the ways that I'm thinking about things? <laughs> What's best for the other person? Where could I sacrifice to benefit them? Like when it comes to the specifics of this area that I'm talking with about right now, it's, it's me being able to look at things and go, you know, maybe I don't know everything about the decision-making process of Dane County and the reason why they would choose to do everything. I bet you they had a good reason for all of this road construction right now. I bet you that people who were getting like new roads and new sewage systems and new sidewalks, I bet you their life is going to be a lot better when all of that's done. Maybe it's okay for me to have to sacrifice right now a little bit so that they can have something better. You see, all of a sudden, I begin to be a person who gives benefit of the doubt. That's what God desires to see in our lives. So my question is, what do you grumble about? If you don't know what it is that you grumble about, my guess is, is that you potentially could be sitting next to somebody who could tell you. <laughs> if not, and if they're not here, they're probably at home or they're a roommate or someone that you work closely with at work. They could tell you all of it. And all you got to do is just go ask, what do I grumble about? That could be a good conversation. There's your whole community group this week. Because I believe that God desires to do work in us to break us from this area of pride and to transform us into people who see life differently, that we as a church could be unified. Not uniform, not exactly the same as each other, but people man, who, though we are different, though we have different ideas, though we have different thoughts on subjects, though we stand in different places on different topics, in areas of politics and beliefs in the way that the world should work, that in spite of all of that, that we can give each other benefit of the doubt, that we can seek to learn to love one another and under the authority of Jesus, that we can show the world something different. Somebody should be saying amen to that. You see, this is what Paul desired for the church. And in fact, he goes on to give us a picture of what it looks like when, when that takes place. Verse 15 says this, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. You see, when we become people who enter into this partnership with God, we allow him to start to do work as we act and as the Holy Spirit works inside of us, we become transformed as individuals into something different. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like this, okay? Let's say, I know I used the light bulb not too long ago, but again, let's say that this is me. And I have a point in my life where I come to the place where I realize I need a savior and I am connecting in to God. And as that takes place, there are changes that begin to happen in my life in the way that I act, in the way that I think, in the way that I'm striving to be obedient. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit begins to do work inside of me. 
But then as I begin this, this, this partnership, <laughs> other things begin to change. It begins to change, not just the way that I act and not just my behaviors, but actually my, my desires, my thought process. All of this begins to change through this partnership that's happening with the Holy Spirit. I begin to get brighter. All of a sudden, obedience begins to be easier. My life begins to look different. People start to notice something different inside of me. It changes the way that I am with other people. So rather than just standing on my own rights, my own beliefs, do you know, I have the right in this country to say what I want to. Well, apparently the authority of God in our lives kind of supersedes that idea. And he's the one who says in everything, don't grumble and don't argue. <laughs> and so that begins to change. I begin to give people benefit of the doubt. I begin to look at life differently. It begins to change not just my life, but the community of people that we're a part of. Sure, are there days where ah, I'm not as bright as I used to and other days where I'm brighter, but all in all, regardless if I'm a little bit dimmer or if I'm walking, there is a change that is happening in me over time. And as there is a change, think about this. As individuals at all of our sites and venues, Gospel Fusion, Traditions, BCM, Fitchburg, downtown, all of us here, people watching online, as God does this work inside of us, transforming us, when that happens with all of us collectively, and we begin to become a group of people who love each other in spite of our differences, giving each other benefit of the doubt, seeking to learn one another, seeing the thing that God desires to do in us in the midst of a dark world that is becoming more and more polarized. We become a light. People are so attracted to because they can't believe that we would actually spend time with people who think differently than we do. They can't believe that we would actually be in relationship and love people who look at life and the world differently than we do. And in that, people are drawn to Jesus. That's what Paul wanted for the church. That's what he was saying at the end where he said, if you can just, if you can just get this thing right, all, all of the sacrifices where I have been poured out, all worth it because people will be attracted to something that is bigger than you because there is no way that it can take place unless we are partnered with the Holy Spirit, not just transforming us as individuals, but transforming our community. That's what Paul longed for with the church. That's what God desires for us. This is what we desire to be as a community. Let me pray for us. Lord God, thank you so much for the fact that we have the opportunity <laughs> to be in partnership with you. You're the, you're the God of the universe. You created all things. And, and you desire to, to be inside of us and not just to be inside of us, but to transform us more into the image of Jesus. And so would you help us with that? As we strive, <laughs> like would you work in Holy Spirit assist to transform who we are more into the image of Jesus. And as we do that individually, God, would you do that for our church? Would you help us to be a place that loves each other so deeply, that gives one another the benefit of the doubt, that seeks relationship even though we are different in the midst of a polarized world that we would shine so brightly for you, helping people to see who you truly are. We thank you. 
pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said.